We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oklahoma City Thunder select Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga University. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough. Step back. Gets up the shot. Banks. This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up, Thunder fans? And welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are a proud part of the Blue Art Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. If you don't already, I know you guys hear this and gals hear this all the time when we do our intro, but be sure to follow us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Find us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you name it, we're there. And if you would leave a five-star review, it would not only be greatly appreciated, but we occasionally do some giveaways. So uh, you might be entered in for some giveaways. We also have a, speaking of giveaways, if you go to our Twitter account, uh, we have a tweet up right now for a potential trade uh, opportunity. We'll be going through some trade scenarios. Darius Baisley in a second for you fill in the blank. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Well, we aren't here to talk about Darius Baisley and trades. Maybe his replacement, eh? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That voice you hear is none other than my co-host for tonight, Nick Crane. I just want to make one thing clear. Uh, we are on TikTok, but by we, that means Taylor. That means me, and I have done very little <laughs> since like November. So uh, maybe You've one of these excuses. days, maybe one of these days we'll we'll get back into it. Maybe maybe with some draft stuff, Nick. Hey, good there transition. We go. yes. Get some uh, some draft breakdowns here. So as you all are probably aware, I'm dropping a random podcast here. Especially there's no Thunder game going on tonight. There's this isn't a normal group podcast day. So I've got the the draft guru himself, Nick Crane. Uh, Nick, just quickly, why don't you tell those who may not be aware, some of our listeners, what you've been up to since the really since I guess September, October ish, uh, yep. the new gig that you've taken on amongst your many. <laughs> yeah. So um, with the Thunder being as bad as they've been the past few years, um, I think a lot of folks that cover the team have been more invested in the draft than normal, right? You've got the opportunity to uh, potentially draft a franchise-altering player, and so you're doing your homework on a lot of these prospects. And over the past couple of years, um, really found a, a bit of a love for the draft, and um, have launched the Draft Digest site, which covers everything from high school seniors. In some cases, it'll be earlier, like Imoni Bates, Victor Romanyama, those types of guys that are big-time phenoms. Early, we'll cover early on. Uh, we will track them throughout college or whatever route they take, OTE, G League, you name it, all the way through their rookie season in the NBA. So seeing these guys out um, from their late high school days all the way through to their rookie season, um, it's been super fun. Uh, I think it's it's kind of weird this year, this phenomenon of the Thunder um, not being as bad as they've been the past few years. I think they're slated, what, Taylor, sixth right now in the reverse sixth lottery the reverse odds. Um, I will so, say, Nick, uh, as a draft guru, I'm a little disappointed in you for not having Cooper Flag and uh, Carlos Boozer's sons. Uh, hey, we got up we, we got Cam Boozer, Cunningham we, from OTE. We, I've been doing my homework. We, Put me we, in, coach. We, I'm ready. We got we got some of the above that all the above. Um, 
but but covering covering the draft as it relates to the Thunder in January when the team is 16 and 22 might feel premature, but for the listeners, um, there's a lot that can happen over these next few months. <laughs> a lot that can happen. And while we're talking about Oklahoma City being slotted sixth right now, that could change drastically one direction or the other, right? Like there, there are a couple games from being third, a couple games from being 11th. So I think it'll be fun to cover a wide variety of guys. Um, the Thunder have so many assets. They could trade up. They could trade back. They could trade for a net new pick in the first round this year. Um, so it makes sense to to cover all spectrums, which is why we're here for this bonus episode. We'll be doing this, what, a couple times a month leading up yeah. to the draft? Yeah, so... As Nick mentioned, he's really, especially this season, uh, has really gotten involved with with covering the NBA draft uh, formally for FN Nation, uh, Sports Illustrated. And then uh, to Nick's point, you know, here over the past couple of seasons, I've really enjoyed kind of diving more into it. Now the Thunder uh, have been in the lottery. And I always have loved college basketball, uh, following the Sooners when I was really young, uh, the Cowboys, and then obviously uh, <laughs> when going to school, uh, following the TU team becoming really good friends with some of the guys on the basketball team and, and have always really been big into college basketball. And so when, you know, the thunder uh, started quote unquote tanking repositioning, I, I started to dive into it a little more. And like you said, I've really fallen in love with it, knew this upcoming class was going to be really special. And so have done my homework a little earlier, not a little, quite a bit earlier than usual, Nick, if not only for this class, but the, the upcoming classes as well. But to your point, we're going to be focusing over these, couple of bonus episodes that we do throughout the the rest of the season before we really drive into uh, dive into some draft coverage here and in, in the off season leading up to the draft uh, we're obviously going to be focusing on the 2023 draft class which i guess is a good transition nick some overall thoughts on this class you know obviously there's a lot of talk about victor women yama scoo henderson but give me your thoughts about the class as a whole um if i had to describe this class I would say deep. I think there's a lot of depth. Not not to say that there's going to be 58, which is the number of picks in this year's draft, which is kind of funky. Uh, I don't think there's going to be 58 long-term NBA players, but I think there's going to be guys that are taken in the 20 to 45 range. They're going to be really, really good players. And I think a lot of that um, is a bit biased because we're so early in the process. Things in January are always super fluid. There's going to be guys that are projected late first round that end up being lottery guys or be guys that, are, I mean, think about Jalen Williams, best example. That dude was probably this time last year projected 55th on most boards, if not undrafted. So a lot can change. So at this phase, it feels deep because of the variability. Um, but I think the biggest word that I think about when it comes to this draft is, and I'm, I'm going to be making up this word. I don't know if it's real, uh, non-collegiate, because when you look I at some of that. The, the, the top 15 call-up players, um, top 20 players, there's a good chunk that are not playing college basketball right now. They're playing overseas. They're playing G League. They're playing OTE. They're playing... Um, or they're first-year college players. Yeah. Right. Like, which is obviously collegiate, but to your point, no tenured collegiate players. Yeah. Not a, not a ton. There are a few. Yeah, right. That that we're going to talk about, I'm sure tonight and, and moving forward. But yeah, it's 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 mostly alternate route guys, international guys, and then one and done freshmen. Which isn't the one and done freshmen is fairly common, but this draft feels very heavy as it relates to non collegiate players. I I like that a lot. I have a very strong at the top. Obviously, the players at the top, I mean, it depends on how high you're, you're talking about here in regards to living up to the hype. But as a whole, I think it's top of this draft class. Really, the first one through huh, one through five, one through six picks are really living up to the hype. You have like a seven through a nine range of like maybe some su- surprisers. And I think I just made up a word there as well. Uh, kind of rising into that range that look really, really solid. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of talent like talking about guys from the very top, like the Victors and the Scoots and the Thompson twins all the way down to like maybe some potential second round guys. Even there's a couple of players you and I have talked about who maybe, you know, they're really talented might even benefit from staying in college another year and then being a 2024 draft pick. So a lot of, uh, a little bit of confusion is something I picked up on as well. Listening to some drafting analysts and people talking uh, the middle of the draft, I think is kind of wide open. 
and this is really kind of to your point due to the highly touted prospects coming in to the year kind of underperforming or being you know kind of held back due to injuries which was disappointing but that's a smaller sample size so there's a lot of confusion there and i think there's still going to be a lot of like a riser and fallers all the way up to the draft oh yeah and like kind of like to your point about j-dub Maybe some J-Dub surprises, some Usman Jang surprises when we get to draft night even. So I think that's really exciting as well. And and just like you said, uh, as much as we are diving into this a little bit early, like there's still going to be a lot of surprises all, all the way up until draft night. I think it's a good point you make there. Um, I believe the last two Januaries um, leading up to the draft, I don't think Josh Giddy had even like quote unquote declared like you remember it was like February and March when like Josh Giddy was like entering the draft and Usman Jang was was one of those guys. Not that they weren't on draft radars because they were great prospects over there and their um, Yeah, the, the Thunder were quarantining at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um so there there's there's guys that are not even like declared for the draft yet that we're not even gonna talk about that are gonna pop out of the blue. Like Josh Giddy and Usman Jang are the best examples where January last year the the one percent of draft junkies were even mentioning their name at this point true now i will say because of that like i think us i think uh you know drafting unless you do this for a living scouts etc have kind of learned a little bit because we're seeing players to your point like the repairs who are playing down in the uh the australian league nbl yep, just want to yep. be there for a second you know guys like that i don't think to your point would be on the radar if it weren't for the josh giddies and the yeah. dyson mellow balls the yeah yeah the lamello balls the um like you said the ote guys the geely guys so again maybe another really good transition here a lot of fun and interesting players uh like i said the top of the draft really heavy we're going to be spending a lot of time on those guys you know throughout this these these podcasts that we do as Quick well note as, on those two guys which ones scoot and wimby top two oh, guys yeah. top two you think they go number one in the 22 class as well one and two like like those two guys if they were a year early is Paulo Jabari and Chet like three, four, five at that gotcha. point? Um, I do in the pre-draft process, but I'm going to be really honest with you. Again, I am still, and I know you are too, sky high on Chet Holmgren. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't really gotten to see anything this season because of, of the injury. Mm-hmm. But I think if we got, <laughs> if you were able to have like a crystal ball and look into the future and see what Paulo's been able to do this season in the NBA, I think I would probably, and this is kind of spicy because I wasn't super high on Paulo. If you go back and listen to our draft podcast from last year, I might take him over Scoot, mm. obviously not over Victor. I know that's a little spicy, um, but obviously scouts us. We don't have that luxury. I would still last year. I would have taken Wimby, Scoot, probably Chet, and then Paulo. Okay. What do you Just, think? I, I, gosh, I, I would probably take Scoot too, based on what we've seen today. Um, I think the biggest concern with him entering his second Ignite season, because he was he was on the team last year yeah. with Jaden Hardy. That's and, how he got. I don't want to say that's how he got on the radar, but that's when he really got yeah, on the radar. Yeah, he was he was on a G League Ignite team with like multiple NBA guys, um, and he was 17, and he looked really really good. The three point shot was his biggest downfall, and he's not played much this year due to injury like seven, eight games, but he shot well above 40% from three. Man, okay, um, speaking of Scoot, speaking of that injury, Nick, so like you said, he was out, I believe it was like a face injury. I don't think it was like a J-Dub crater in his face, but it was something similar. He comes back, I think he's been playing for four games now, if I believe, had an absolute ridiculous dude, dunk. Dude. Like, not just G League highlight, yep. NBA highlight dunk of the year uh, material, and that's the kind of stuff that Scoot Henderson's going, going to be able to do. He's He's kind of undersized like a decade ago at six three he's listed six three he's probably like six two you know how those listings go that's where the rust comparison kind of comes right. into play there a little like bit. that a decade ago is a normal size point guard maybe maybe a big point guard uh in the modern nba when most point guards are like six five plus he feels small but with the explosiveness and athleticism, like that's as well as the strong a, base, like yeah, he's, he's I hate using this term because it sounds ridiculous, but he is, he's jacked. He's thick. Yeah. And it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, the perfect combination of fast twitch and explosive athleticism where mm-hmm. Eamon Thompson is, I mean, he has a little bit of both as well, but he's more the fast twitch kind of like the jaw. Yep. And then you have the Cam Whitmore on the other side, which is more the Apollo, the yep. explosive athleticism, uh, guys like, Scoot kind of fall right there in between. 
And that's what I've been really impressed with to your point, but there is, there's some things he's going to have to, you know, and he's been more engaged defensively. Um, you talked about the, the three point shot that's going to have to come along, but regardless to your point, to your original question, I think just about any team who's picking second <laughs> yep. behind whoever's going to take Victor, they're taking skill regardless of fit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, at, I would, at least I would think so at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Speaking of that, like I said, I, I know we'll be getting into those top guys here, probably some today, uh, a lot throughout the the remainder of the NBA and college season, and even more so and in, in more detail in the offseason leading up to the draft. But you and I, all of us, we always fall in love with certain players. And like speaking of the top of the draft, we we all are going to like them to a certain extent because they're very, very good players. They're consensus players, and they're probably going to be pending injury or anything serious. But you always have that draft crush that you fall in love with. Last year, mine was uh, Dalen Terry's. I talked a lot about. Unfortunately, hasn't panned out super well. However, I will say I, w- I was kind of early on the J-Dub train, uh, on the J-Dub hype, once he kind of picked up some steam there in the pre-draft process. I've got one and like maybe an honorable mention picked out, Nick. I'm curious if you have any draft crushes early in the process. So far I, want you, I want you to start because I don't want to okay. double up. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Both of us share affection for this player. And speaking of J-Dub, kind of similar, but I'm going to save that as well. I'm going with none other than a player you actually wrote on. <laughs> Maxwell Lewis. Max Lewis out of uh, Pepperdine University. 6'7", 195-pound wing. He is a really, really interesting prospect. A player who came in his freshman season. Eerily similar to J-Dub. Uh, not just in regards to them playing the same conference, <laughs> but a little bit underrated. Mm-hmm. A little bit. I don't know if Max had the quite the growth spurt that J Dub did uh, later on, uh, you know. But still, a little uh, under recruited, not under underrated, under recruited. Averaging, especially this his sophomore season, he's taken quite a bit of a leap. Nineteen point four points per game, two point nine assists. The biggest thing though is the efficiency: sixty five percent true yep. shooting percentage, shooting forty three percent from three. And it's not just like he's like a spot up shooter you know, hitting shots from outside, that kind of thing. I mean, he's facilitating the offense. Um, like I said, there's some Shea and J-Dub in there and ways he's able to, not just the the scoring, but the, the way he's able to manipulate defenders and find and create unique <clears throat> angles that other players just aren't able to do. And then, you know, and, and that's typically from his handle, his footwork, his ball fakes. And then from there, he takes advantage of those angles with his versatility and athleticism. And that's kind of where you see the J-Dub and Shea comps, you know, driving to the rim. And the fact that he's able to score efficiently from all three levels while initiating as much, that's kind of what I was getting at, while still being able to initiate as much offense as he is, very, very impressive to me. Um, He does struggle. Some of his, uh, maybe, you know, his his weaknesses heading into the draft. He struggles some when finishing through contact, even though he has really good size. uh, He struggles with his floaters. And he leaves some to be desired still defensively. depends when he's locked in or not. But all those things have one thing in common. He has a big frame. And I think when he's in the NBA, he's in the right, hopefully drafted to the right system. He's going to be able to put on weight and strength to help with all the above. I think those won't be that big of a thing. Uh, the other thing is he has a really, throw, a really low free throw rate, which is, again, J-Dub, SGA. Both of those players have struggled a bit with that. Uh, Shea early in his career and J-Dub this season. And he needs to evolve as a playmaker. Like he's shown some really great flashes, Nick. Like there's some some really impressive flashes there. But uh, I think he's kind of a victim of his own environment. Not a lot around him, just being yep. completely honest. Yep. And therefore, he is looking for a shot first, other than passing to teammates. But when he is looking for his teammates, he makes the right play. It's a really impressive play. So a lot of talk there. I think the only other thing that stands out to me, the, the main competition he's going to be playing this season is Gonzaga. Yep. He still had 20 points. Five assists, nine to fourteen shooting. Julian Strother showed out. So that's Maxwell Lewis is my draft crush. Uh, like I said, you wrote an article about him. I'm curious your thoughts about Max Lewis. He's really good. Like he's eerily similar to J Dub in the fact that he's rising so quickly, but it's it's a lot earlier. Like like I mentioned, J Dub was not earlier. was not a first round consideration for most folks in January. It was more April May, like combine late in the season, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what's my favorite thing about Max, which isn't really about his game even, is that in an alternate reality, he's a sophomore in the NBA right now. He was planning on entering the 2021 draft 
He was going to come out of high school. This is like during the COVID times. Um, instead of going to play uh, college ball, he was going to go to California. He was going to train with Marjan Bocamp was actually a guy that was going to be in the same training program. Um, that all fell through, but his, his ultimate goal was to come. He actually forewent his senior year of high school. He was going to be in the 2021 NBA draft, which is weird to think that like a guy That's we're talking really about in the think. 23 draft could already be like, like he'd basically be in, in Giddy's class. Um, but super interesting prospect. Like a lot of these guys, the sample size is enough where it raises an eyebrow. A lot of these guys, I'm not saying Max will be one of these guys. There's a lot of them that uh, efficiency will fall off. Like Bryce Sensabaugh is a guy from Ohio State that just been bonkers earlier this season. Um, will it continue? Maybe. If it does, absolutely a first rounder. If it doesn't, things change quickly. So, almost the, added him in uh, one of our next sections. I left him. He's off. he's really really good. Um, I, I was talking to someone earlier today. I don't think he could have had a better start to the season. Bryce or yeah, Bryce? Lewis well, Max, okay. Max too. Like, yeah. Same well, with like Taylor. Hendrick, continued it. Bryce Taylor Hendricks out of UCF the same way. Like shooting forty five percent from three. Easy. Uh, <laughs> we got some sections coming up here. Take care, still guys. over content. Uh, it, it's just it's, it's just it's it's January. Come yeah. March, I think the conversation will be a lot different. We'll have enough of a sample size to say like, yeah, that guy is a bona fide first round pick. Uh, today it's it's tougher to say. But I, I agree with you. Max Lewis is like one of the f- most fun draft pro- prospects, easiest to like, great kid. Um, it's balling out. Pristine university that he's attending. You know, he's going to be a high quality character yeah. and 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 uh, basketball mind. Yep. Do you have a draft? Cr- I mean, you list out some pretty great names there. Uh, we've seen a lot of your articles that you've written about certain players. And I know you like Max Lewis a lot. But outside of Max, is there another player that you would consider a quote unquote draft crush right now? Um, I don't know if I consider it a draft crush. I don't know if I'm there yet on anybody, Fair. but I'm like, that's like, I, I am irrationally high on this guy. Uh, but the, I would say the player that I'm probably higher on than most, which is kind of an oxymoron because the guy's high on everybody's board, but Cam Whitmore, um, I've got him three behind, uh, Scoot and Wimby. A lot of people have Amin Thompson at three. I have Cam Whitmore at three. Um, had the thumb injury to start the year. I think it's probably a big reason why he's struggling from three. He was not a great three-point shooter in high school. That was probably his biggest knock, but then he went and played uh, for Team USA and was just bonkers from beyond the arc over the summer. Um, if his three-point shot comes around, his thumb fully heals. Like he just He's the complete package. Like He's got an NBA-ready body. He's got the size to be a combo forward that can also slide down the guard. Um, super strong, versatile, creates for himself, like has the alpha mentality. I, I just, I look at him as a guy that I'm just like, I can't, I can't miss prospect barring injuries or whatever it might be. Like he's just so good. Like I think maybe, maybe, maybe both Thompson twins have a higher ceiling, but if I were to be drafting a guy at number three tomorrow and I'm like, I need this guy to be good. Like, even if it's not the highest ceiling in the draft, I need him to be good. I feel really good about Cam Whitmore. So without getting into, like, any player comps, uh, just, you know, not to to try and avoid some spoilers coming up, could not agree more with you. You and I talked about Cam Whitmore heading into the season, so back in around October. I love that you have him at pick number three. I was trying to catch up on podcasts, getting back into the office this year. Uh, at the beginning of 2023, you know, that was my opportunity to kind of, yep. that's one thing I, I really enjoy doing is when I'm working on certain projects and stuff, I'm able to listen to podcasts, kind of get caught up and uh, always was, was behind during the break. And one of the podcasts I listened to was Sam Vicini and uh, Coach Spins. And they were talking about who could be number three behind um, Women Yama and Scoot Henderson. Yep, yep. I love that you have Cam there. Uh, Cam's somebody else on that I'm really high on. Like you said, he, he's looked much better now that he's kind of gotten his legs back under him. We're drinking from injury, playing a lot more minutes for that Villanova team, and just a super uh, powerful athlete. And you're right, if that shot can come around, he's gonna, going to be impressive. So, Cam Whitmore, kind of on the rise here, back from his injury. Maybe another good transition into some risers and fallers. Yeah. <laughs> fallers, yeah. Nick. Where, where do you want to stop? Where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the fallers or the risers? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna start and finish at the same time uh, with Duke. Okay. Because I, like I think they're like the perfect example of guys that are rising and falling all at one time. Entering the season, I think it's safe to say Duke had four guys that you you had a a, a good feeling could go in the first round. You had Derek Lively, who was the number one player in the country coming out of high school. You had gross. Yeah. You had Derek Whitehead, who's not not the same player as, as Cam Whitmore, but another guy that's like NBA ready body, uh, does it on both ends. Similar mold. Yeah, similar, I'm similar type on. archetype of player. Uh, you had Tyrese Proctor, Australian point guard, that just he, he, you watch him play, and he's he's not the same size as Giddy or Dyson Daniels, but you look at him and you're like, wow, that guy could be like the next um, kind of jumbo guard that can play on ball, off ball, be a good facilitator, all the above. And then you had Kyle Filipowski, who I think fit the mold coming out of high school of like the guy that dominated because he was bigger than everybody, but had a great three-point shot, like incredible three-point shot. And he was probably in in most people's minds, like the fourth best prospect as it relates to the draft for Duke this season. Now, after the first two months of the season, like Whitehead's been injured and not great. He's been better of of late. Um, Lively has not played a ton has not been great when he's on the floor. Looks super passive. Um, that's maybe that's said gross. <laughs> maybe that's the system. Maybe that just takes time. Uh, Proctor's been Proctor's been okay. Like Roach has just been better than him. That's probably just because he's a more ball dominant guard with more experience on a young team. But Filipowski, I'm not saying that Filipowski is the first guy that I would draft off of Duke, off of Duke's roster. Like I'm not saying he's the guy that should go first among these four players. But he's probably been the only guy that's exceeded expectations. Like if you line those four guys up and you said, tell me who's over exceeded expectations and who's underachieved. I think Whitehead, Lively, Proctor have underwhelmed me, whereas Filipowski is the one guy that has been better than expected. He's some sites list him at six uh, eleven, other sites have him at seven feet. He's 230 pounds. Um, his three-point shot has not been, admittedly, as good at the college level than I expected. Like I expected to be more like a 35% guy from deep. I think it'll come around. I would say he's one of the, the, at least mechanically, one of the better shooters in this draft, which has a lot considering he's seven feet tall. Um, but he's averaging 14 and nine. Um, again, the efficiency is not great anywhere on the floor. Um Free throw shooting is close to 80%, which is great for a big, but I think he is the perfect NBA guy that can come in. He can play five. He can play kind of Sabonis like. Like he can play Sabonis center. Sabonis is a great player. He can play, player. he can play the four. He can shoot the ball. He's extremely strong. He can hold he, his own. Great rebounder. Great rebounder, but also space the floor. Like I, I just Kyle Filipowski has, has been good so much better than I expected this season. Agreed 100%. I, I love that. I think that's spot on with the Duke prospects. I had a uh, Derek Whitehead as well for one of my followers. Uh, I didn't, didn't list all the Duke guys out. Lively's obviously there as well. I think the talents there, it can be untapped. I'm not necessarily giving up on him, uh, but Derek Whitehead was also one for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Still doesn't have his legs under him. Still looks a little bit at hurt. Only averaging seven points per game out of the starting lineup. It's it's not great. Um, okay, kind of on that, it, I wasn't sure where to kind of to start, but I think this is a another uh, kind of in that same frame. Highly touted prospect, committed to Texas, playing his rookie Don't season. Tell me you have Dylan Mitchell on your list too. Dylan Mitchell is a faller for me right now, same. even though I'm not giving up on him necessarily. It doesn't mean, like you said, it's January, yep. it's early, but he's a faller, super athletic forward slash wing. Right. Like, I think he could play some four and some three, just like you mentioned, Nick. Uh, I actually thought you had a really good breakdown on him, or you all collectively did here a while back uh, on Draft Digest. He can jump out of the gym, like yep. just a freak athlete, especially for his size, but very inconsistent and very inefficient offensively. He really lacks touch. And he's going to need to refine a lot of those skills at the next level. Right. Like I said, hand, athlete, the right that hand does not exist. Does not exist. He's only left handed. Uh, but he's a really good rebounder, great rebounder, really good defender, great timing blocks. He can switch some. Uh, I think he's going to be able to possess that versatility. If 
again, he goes to the right team that's able to develop him. But Nick, I really, really worry about that offensive game, particularly, like you said, going left, a little bit of the ball handling, but mainly the shooting if he's going to be a wing. Like he kind of has a big man game in a wing body. Does that make sense? Here's the problem. And I think this lends into what you were saying. I thought coming into the season, the two, two blatant improvement areas were finishing with both hands. Like, so AKA the right. Um, but then also the three point shooting. Cause he was not a good three point shooter in high school. What's really concerning to me, not only, so if you would have come into this season and shot 25% from three, that's concerning. What's worse and which is the case today, Dylan Mitchell has not attempted a three-point shot this season. He's scared to take it. And I'm like, how do you draft a hyper-athletic wing that that can play like the four, but he's also skinny? Um, I think he really is more of like a three, but physically does not shoot three-pointers. I, I just don't know where that guy fits. Like there, guys like that just don't really thrive in the NBA, especially in the, especially NBA. In the, especially in the lottery. Like maybe you take a guy like that, like a Jeremy Grant. Like I think he he could be a similar type of player that develops through time and gets better and better and better. But you're a good player, Comp. You're good. Yeah, but but <laughs> but like that's not a guy that I want to take in the lottery right now. Agree completely. And to your point, he was mocked pretty high, uh, a pretty highly touted recruit uh, coming into the season, and yeah. unfortunately just has not played very well. Again, some of that, like you said, could be situation. Yeah. Um, you know, like these guys come into these highly respected programs with some, some, you know, I guess you could call them veterans, these upperclassmen, and the opportunity is not really there for them to grow, uh, to just have their ball in, in their hands and work on some of those things. But still, I, he's been pretty disappointed to me that the last follower I have here is still somebody that's one of my favorite prospects probably in, in the in the draft. So spicy, Nick Smith Jr. And uh, honestly, it's just because the knee flared back up, yeah. which really, really sucks. It, he was injured heading into the season with some knee issues. I know he struggled with some of that at his senior year of high school, I yeah. believe. Um, but not just that, Nick. When he was, and, and again, it it's kind of unfair because if he gets in conditioning back under him, returning from injury, maybe the inefficiency, the offensive inefficiency goes away, but very inefficient offensively. Uh, he has some explosions <laughs> there uh, in a couple of the games. You know, after he returned from the the original injury, but all that being said, I still love what he brings to the table. He moves off ball really, really well. He's obviously an incredible scorer, microwave scorer. Um, can distribute some. Him and Anthony Black are kind of like the perfect oh, yeah, combo there. Fun. Like they they're fit so, so well together, which just really sucks that we can't see more of that. Which, ironically enough, I keep thinking about the Thunder because you know we can get into Anthony Black at some point, but he's uh, Josh very Giddy. much. It. Yeah, he, he, there's a lot of similarities yeah. there. He might be a little better uh, shooting, and Giddy's obviously a little bit of a better passer, but a lot of similarities there, a lot of similar strengths. And just seeing him alongside a player like Anthony Black makes me think, like, this could be a Trey Man Isaiah Joe player who with a higher ceiling. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, Nick Smith is, is under my followers. Do you have any other followers? Um, I'll comment on Nick Smith. I, I agree he's falling. Uh, not because of his on-court production per se, more just because like he may have been better off just not playing all True. year. Like just say, I'm going to sit out and get healthy and be ready for the draft. Um, he's only played in five games this year, two of which were uh, injury games. The first of five was like a six-minute outing, like just getting his feet under him. The fifth was when he re-injured it and only played, I think like 18 or 19 minutes. Um, so we've really only seen like three games in which Nick Smith Jr. has played meaningful minutes. Um, it's it's like from an evaluation standpoint, I don't even know if you can take anything from three college games for a guy that's like playing his first three college games. I don't care how good you are of a prospect and how uh, what high of a level you played at in high school. Like college is a different beast. And trying the NBA is even different from that. Yeah, to and trying point. to evaluate Nick Smith with three real games is to me the same as, as just not having the three games. Like his high school tape is a bigger sample size that probably tells you more than the three college games. Shaden Sharp. Yeah. I, I mean, a little different situation, he, but he, still. he played OU UNC Greensboro and San Jose state. Like if you're an NBA scout, those three games are not swaying you one way or the other. You're just 
flat out looking at the knee. Like, I'm so disappointed we aren't, we aren't going to get to see him against Bama yeah. coming yeah. up in some of those uh, SEC matchups. Auburn, another good one, yeah. even though they don't have Javari Smith Jr. You get the point. No, yeah. I, uh, I agree with you completely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Now transitioning here. Oh, sorry, one, go one more, One more quick riser. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this guy a lot. Uh, no, I don't have any more followers. I have oh, riser. that's what I was transitioning to. Risers. Oh, okay. Yeah, Grady Dick. Grady Dick? Okay, interesting. I kind of had him in my, uh, I think the way Hollinger put it for the current rookies this year in the NBA was treading water, which I don't love because that makes it sound like they're like close to drowning. That's not the case. Like just kind of like the in-between. Like Grady Dick's been really good in certain situations. So I'm curious, why do you have him as a I think I think Grady Dick's been really good in almost all situations. Like he came into the year. Maybe being Kansas' best player. Yeah, he's been really good. Like he was, he was known for being probably the best shooter in this class in this in this freshman class. And he's been so much more like creating for himself in the mid range, finishing at the rim. I think a lot of folks, they see this white kid with a comb over that's on TikTok and taking these silly Instagram photos and like, Oh, Christian Braun 2.0, yeah, right? J- j- just a shooter. He comes in and he is like dunking the ball a lot. He is finishing with power. He's doing, all these things outside of just like the catch and shoot three you'd expect. Um, I probably had him late first round entering the season. He's right up there in like the 15 to 20 range for me. And in a similar vein, Jet Howard. Yeah. Okay. Same situation. I had him late first, early second, and he's right there with Grady Dick. Like, I think if the draft were today and I was a GM, I'd be comfortable taking both those guys like the first few picks outside the lottery. Okay. See, Grady Dick, you could talk me into uh, like that 12 range right there at the end of the lottery. Jet Howard was an honorable mention I had. Uh, we, and again, we don't, uh, Max Lewis was one that I had. I really have two prospects in my risers that I want to really break down with you and get your opinion on. Uh, but Max Lewis, we've talked plenty about. He was yep. just, I had to list him, right? And we, we mentioned him. I had Jet Howard in my honorable mention because he is, definitely rising not as much as these other two players i don't think but he's definitely rising and then another i think kind of a a, maybe i shouldn't say favorite of yours i don't want to speak for you but a player i know you're high on i am as well kind of has caught my attention over the last week specifically or two weeks noah Clowney of alabama Mm. there's some really good prospects at alabama we'll get into um brandon Brandon millers and you know the, the players that they have at 
Clowney has been really good for Bama. And so uh, Bama or <laughs> Clowney and Jet Howard, kind of my two honorable mentions there. Man, I, I think Clowney has been really good of late. I mean, he's like this. He, he's He reminds me a lot of uh, – Brazil for Arkansas before he got hurt. Like this six ten sucks. I really like super long, great defensive prospect. Um, Clowney still has a lot of moments where you're like you're watching the game, and if you're not someone that's like plugged into the draft or like recruiting, you can tell that dude's a freshman. Like you watch him play, and you're like, whoa, that kid is that kid's fresh on the college hardwood. Um, He's also a lot of fantastic plays. I, I I still don't think I have Clowney in the first round. I would probably take okay. him early second. He's he's trending the right direction. Absolutely. No, so I'm, talk, I'm, I'm not about, disagreeing with you. I'm if, not we're talk, if we're talking about risers, he is absolutely rising because pre college season, I did not have him being a, a drafted player. And now he absolutely is, but he's got a long way to go offensively. Like the three point shot is not great, but defensively super impressive. He just got to, he's got to get more reps, man. He just, he looks a little bit lost at times. Uh, I think it was the Houston game, which, is a hard game to judge because Houston's defense is probably the best in the country. He looked flustered. They were double teaming, hey, trapping, that, pressing earlier today. Yeah, earlier oh, dude, tonight. I mean Tulsa. Wild. They came to town to Tulsa and they held them to like hey, fifty points. No need to throw my golden. I, I, I did it on purpose. Okay. I did it on purpose. No, their their defense is real and Clowney <laughs> no, looked very right. flustered. Uh, which, again, they're the best defense in the country. Go play in the NBA. All thirty teams, even the worst team in the league defensively, is probably better than Houston. True. Very true. All right. I got just two prospects here that I really want your opinion on, Nick, that I think are rising more than the ones that we just mentioned. The one, the first one is the one I told you to, whoa, 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 take it easy. Don't spoil it. Taylor Hendricks of UCF mm. is just every single podcast, podcast I've listened to uh, pertaining to the draft over the past month. Talking about Taylor Hendricks. Yep. Tons of articles. UCF is getting some national uh, respect, and it, it's a lot of it is because Taylor Hendricks. 6'9", 210 Ford, only 19 years old, still super young. But the most impressive thing is just everything he brings to the table. 14.8 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, 58% true shooting percentage, and 41% from three on five attempts per game. Versatile defender who is blocking shots just like crazy and has shown the ability to be able to switch on the perimeter on top of all the above. And this is a really fun stat I found, Nick. He is the only freshman to record at least 20 dunks and 20 made shots on his three-pointers thus far. Nice. Again, doing like a little that. bit of all of it. I like that. Yeah, he he's a guy I talked to a few weeks ago, and just like most most of these kids that you talk to are like good kids. Like you rarely talk to a guy that you get off the phone and you're like, this guy's just a piece of crap. <laughs> um, he is. So he Taylor Hendricks, his twin brother plays at UCF with him. Tyler Hendricks. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, Tyler didn't play a whole lot, but he, he's like six five. He got the short end of the stick. He's 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 short. Doesn't really play a whole lot. He, I mean, he's playing college. I mean, I love to be so six he's, five, he's, honestly. He, but he's, yeah, same. He's a good player. Um, definitely not no, the, the kind of player that Taylor is. Um, but he was you know super family oriented. He's from South Florida, which is why he's playing at UCF. It was close to home. Yeah, so he, he had some like, really big offers. Yeah, three three or four hours away. Um, super super religious you know big time believer he's you know asking him about you know what what's what's the next step what's your future plans what do you got to work on he's one of those guys that's like i'm gonna put in the work trust god's plan it'll work out like you just not nothing nothing better you can say about a kid in this class from a from a just being a person standpoint but the the play on the court is remarkable and at six nine being that again kind of a combo forward does it all. He's a good defender. Um, I don't know if his, his block and steal numbers are what they were um, last I looked, but he was almost averaging like two blocks a game. He, he um, is averaging two. It's, yeah, it's two points. It's something. nuts. Like and he's flirting with three, which is wild. He's he's a good defender. He's knocking down threes. Um, similar to Max Lewis, I, I wonder if the efficiency continues all season, especially as you get into like deep into conference play when not, not that you're playing against premier teams, um, being on Pepperdine and UCF uh, respectively, but games start to feel more meaningful. You get closer to the to the uh, the big dance, and you're playing conference tournament, and then you're playing against big teams and in uh, March Madness. So, like, it, it'll be interesting to see how Taylor Hendricks uh, finishes the season. But as of today, no doubt in my mind is the first round pick. Love the way you. Oh, first of all, great insight. I didn't realize you got to uh, got to talk with him. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome. 
gradient sign to the the person that he is. Uh, obviously, if a lot of Thunder fans listening to this, primarily, definitely feels like a Thunder player, and honestly, a player I think would fit really, really well. But I love the point that you made there at the end. Um, obviously, a, a guy that we want to see against some more elite competition, kind of like Max Lewis. To your point, Pepper Nine uh, plays Gonzaga uh, a couple times, uh, one more time in February. I'm watching that UCF schedule for when they play a team like Houston oh, in the yeah. AAC. So my last one here, Nick, and I know we're going a little longer than we wanted to, but I'm really curious your thoughts on another riser that I think is rising just about as much as uh, Taylor Hendricks, a guy that I was kind of low on heading into the draft. I was aware. I wasn't aware of Hendricks. I'm going to be completely honest. This guy I was aware of, and I just thought he was the next Lou Dort, um, you know, perimeter defender archetype. He's much more than that. I'm talking about Cason Wallace of Kentucky, 6'4", 193-pound guard, like I said, I made the assumption in October that Wallace is just another great perimeter defender. We need to work on playmaking. Hopefully he could, could hit from outside, be your ultimate 3D wing if all goes according to plan. I was wrong. He's getting some top eight buzz pretty regularly. I didn't want to say top 10 because I th- think that's underselling it. 12.8 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, 3.9 assists per game, uh, 47.5% from three. <laughs> which is just yeah. like I'm yeah. so blown away from that. On five attempts. On five attempts, like solid attempts. 4.4% still percentage. So obviously that's not 4.4 steals per game, but still like he he's shows his defensive ability. Um, great at, at anticipating blocks as well. Shooting 80% at the rim. Combined with, like I said, that 40 plus from three. Yeah. And he's showing some playmaking ability. I was very, very wrong with this prospect. He's a, a high riser. Do you have anything... To say on uh, Casey Wallace? Uh, Casey Wallace played high school ball like three minutes from where I'm sitting in this chair right now. He's a Richardson, Texas kid, which is where I live. Um, so I've, I've had my eye on him for a while. I honestly did not think he's going to be this good either. I, I Like you said, coming into the season, he had first round and or lottery buzz. Like He was not a no-name guy like Taylor Hendricks uh, as it relates to like the 2023 draft. The 45% from three, the high assist numbers on top of the like coming into the year, most would say he was the top point of attack defender from a guard perspective. Like on the perimeter, that dude is a dog. The offensive upside of him this season has blown me away. I still, I still really struggle to put him in the top 10. And that's not because Kaysen Wallace is not a top 10 talent, it's just the other guys. Like you, you, someone could say, Hey Taylor, do you think case and Wallace is good enough to go top 10? I think both of us would say yes. But then if you actually had to, to write down the players that you would take him ahead of, you're like, Oh crap. How do I squeeze him into the top? 10? that's how I feel with case and Wallace. Like he's absolutely a top 10 prospect, but there's probably 10 or 12 guys that I like more like Anthony black, for example, who we're probably not going to talk much about on this podcast. I'd probably still rather have Anthony Black than Kaysen Wallace. I agree Although Kaysen's been probably better this season as a two-way player. Um, like they're they're both top ten talents, but at the end of the day, like there's only ten players that can fit in that top ten, you know. So I kind of think like what I'm taking from what you're saying, and I agree with it, that he he's been a top ten player in this draft class and how he's performed really his entire body of work. But there are players that maybe have more upside. Yeah. Like the Anthony Blacks. Yeah. Like even uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the Thompson twins and um I'm we'll not whole as hot on, on just sword. the Thompson twins. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. But still, I, I think I would take both Thompson twins over him oh, yeah, yeah. just because of the upside. So you take Brandon Miller, you take Wimby, you take Scoot, you right. take Whitmore. But if I'm at pick, it could be like a J-Dub kind of pick, not similar player, but kind of pick where you're at pick 12. And if you get Case and Wallace, you're pretty ecstatic, especially if you're like a borderline contender. I think think what gets interesting is, so let me ask you a little trivia question. You're sitting on the board. I don't don't care what pick it is. You're, you're, You're an NBA GM. It's your pick. And the top three guys left are Nick Smith, Dariq Whitehead, and Case and Wallace. Rank them. Who do you take? Or just pick. Who, oh, who do you take? Nick Smith Jr. Easily. Okay, and that's another guy. So that's think... what I'm saying. It's hard to fit him into the top ten, even if he's been what we consider a top ten guy. True. You keep Very listing true. these names, and you're like, oh shit! Now Case and Wallace. And is see, like that's 30. where I think yeah. that unpredictability is. Like it's just the weird sample sizes that we have between COVID, transfer portal. Like I think that's where to a comment you made earlier in the podcast. 
this could be where we see more of the guys going, or sorry, more prospects going to OTE, yeah. G League, NBL route. When you have like these upperclassmen uh, transfer portal craziness going on, like it's it's fascinating to see yeah. kind of the future of, of scouting and the and development for some of these players. Totally. So just really quickly, uh, we've talked a lot about a lot of these players. We we don't necessarily have to like go into stats and height and comparisons, but one of the things we had here was NBA comps. Yep. Curious some of yours. Uh, I think one that we both agree on that we both have been on uh, even separately. And then we realize like both have the same comp and it's a really easy one to make. I already mentioned at the top of the podcast, Max Lewis and J-Dub played in the same conference. Oh yeah. Both uh, underrated and under recruited have big leaps. Uh, obviously J-Dub was in his, his junior year. Max Lewis is in his sophomore year, but you know this better than I, Nick, like you said, you, you got to really kind of uh, go in depth in that article. What do you think about that player comp? Uh, I mean, there's, there's probably not a, an easier or not even easier. It's probably not a, a a better comp in this current class. Like from their height, their frame, their wingspan, their their upbringing on a kind of mid major school, the gear they wear. Like it's weird. J Dub and him both wear like the longer sliders with the shorter shorts <laughs> and the and the shooter sleeve that's not quite all the way pulled up. It's more down to their elbow and. They kind of have like similar builds. They, they even. have similar builds. Yeah. They, they take similar shots. They're they're both guys that can play that one through four. Like everything about them. Max Lewis just needs the afro, and we're in dude, business. It's it's ridiculously <laughs> similar. So that's probably the best comp that that we could even make in this entire class at this point. All right, give me another one. I don't want to keep going through my um, list. I want to hear yours. I think one of the ones that I'm coming around on is Brandon Miller. Yep, being... I have one for him. I've got him as Paul George as an that offensive player. That is the one I have as well. But like defensively, and and to be fair, Paul was not a fantastic defender coming out of college. Yeah, um, he was at uh, West Coast Fresno, Fresno State. Um, so it, it could come around. We see it this year with Paulo. Everyone said he's not worth the number one picks. He can't play defense. It's even hadn't been bad this year. Like, he hadn't been great. It hadn't been bad. Um, so he he could be Paul George, but offensively, it, it's just so similar. The six nine jumbo wing. Um, excellent three-point shooter. He's struggled a bit inside the arc, both from an efficiency standpoint and just like taking shots inside the arc. It seems like most nights he takes 13 shots, like nine of them are from three. He's not really not really taking it to the cup much, but if you can knock down threes, I think the rest can come. You've got the size to get to the rim. You got He's a little bit skinny, but in the NBA program, I think he'll be just fine. And then he, he looks a lot like PG a lot of nights. I like that one too. I like you said. I'm not sure he has the playmaking and that defensive uh, stop, you know, stopping ability that PG has, but that three point shot, the the ball handling, that, that there's a lot. Uh, the build, I like that one. All right, one that you, uh, a player you mentioned, that's on your risers, Grady Dick. Mm. I've got Kevin Herter as a comp mm. there. The way they're able to move off ball. They have some underrated athleticism to your point about like the dunk and, and uh, moving in transition, but obviously pretty, I don't know if at least right term, but very solid uh, knockdown catch and shoot shooter uh, shooters who are able to space the floor for teammates. I like that. I like that. I mean, I think I would, I would like to think at least that his ceiling is higher than Kevin Herter. I think Grady Dick, if, if I'm going to sit here and say he's worth the 15th pick, I would say he's got a higher ceiling than Kevin does. Um, yeah, I think as as prospects as it sits today, he absolutely has a similar skill set to to Herder. I think just the ceiling's a bit higher. Give me one more. I'll give you one more. Um, this one's going to be a little bit controversial. Um, this guy in general is one of the more hot and cold prospects that I've I've seen. Everybody I talk to has a very different take on him. Gigi Jackson, incredibly, love incredibly young. Like he's playing right now at 17. He'll be 18 during most of his rookie season. Um, South Carolina is an interesting situation in itself. You talked earlier about that sometimes the way a player performs as a freshman is dependent on system and role and opportunity. We saw Scotty Barnes be a sixth man. At a mediocre Florida State team and get drafted fourth overall. Oh, like, that's if, a, it's a good like, player. Comp. It's, it's it's like so. I'm actually going a different direction. Can I guess I, it? I'm going guess Pascal Siakam. No, 
I think that's my my uh, my comp for Pascal Siakam reverse comp is Arthur Kaluma out of Creighton. Um, okay, I think I think I you, know, you should. He's he's a a guy that's been in college for a couple of years now, similar to Siakam, and has improved year over year. Mm-hmm. And similar Sorry, background. I made you go down a route. No, no, there, no you're good. Look, look up I'll Arthur. Look, I'll look that up. You you and listeners, Arthur Kaluma out of Creighton. I think he'll be a late first, early second kind of guy that has the Siakam upside to be worth more than it, where it gets taken. Um, my comp for him, for Gigi Jackson, is, and when I say it, I'm not talking body type, I'm not talking off-court drama, but Julius Randle, where you're a big forward, like Gigi Jackson is not small. He's big, especially um, for 18 years old, yeah, young 18. 17, 17. Goodness. Uh, the, the running thing with Gigi Jackson that people are turned off by is the assist percentage. He just doesn't generate a high number of assists uh, relative to the assists that are generated when he's on the floor. Um, I don't think he's a bad passer. I think he's actually got a lot of upside as a creator and a facilitator for a forward, like positionally. Um, I think he's proven time and time again this season he can knock down the perimeter shot. He can get to the rim. I think given he's 17, he's got a lot of opportunity to get stronger and and bulk out his body over the next few years. Like he'll be be a fourth year NBA player and it'll be like 21. Like it's similar to Poku. I think that he could be better than Julius Randle for sure. Julius Randle, I think right now is people are down on him because he had a crappy year last year, but he was, he was an all-star the year before. They aren't down on him. I mean, it's right. Hell right, of a right now he's been playing well month. too. And I think he's got a similar skill set to where he can be that stretch floor, uh, stretch four that can also facilitate a bit, be kind of an offensive hub. Like you don't see many guys around the league. You see, you see like Embiid and Jokic and Giannis that are more like traditional seven footers that are kind of centers that could be an offensive hub. You don't see a ton of real fours. Like you see KD who's the size of a four, but he's really more of a wing. Like Gigi Jackson, I think can be that stretch four that can also be a hub, which is a bit rare as well. So for Thunder fans listening right now, what do you think about like, this is very unfair for a player so young, but almost like a, <sighs> Like what we, the upside that we hope Darius Baisley possessed when the Thunder took him. Uh, well, I but he's bigger. I would so say that the any Thunder fan that was high on Darius Baisley, think about the best you thought he could ever be. And that's probably Gigi Jackson's middle ground. Oh, wow. So you're yeah. even higher on Gigi. Okay. So I really like Gigi Jackson coming into this, especially once he reclassified. I love what he did reclassifying to be able to, like you said, to come in so young and play meaningful minutes for the South Carolina team. And obviously uh, getting drafted early, I think we'll pay dividends. Like you said, later on, yeah. uh, I mean, talk about a, a great prospect for the thunder to draft because when these guys are reaching their peak on the thunder team, this guy's only 21, well, 22 years think, old. Though, and is, is this minutes. team going like, to be good enough next year that they like need a guy that's ready to plug and play like a Brandon Miller. They will. Do they, they need a guy like Brandon yeah. Miller that can come score 15 a game versus true. a project. Very true. Um, Hey, Cam Whitmore, uh, I don't think the Thunder will be that high. I, I already mentioned this one. Cam Whitmore, I, I've seen a lot of Jalen Browns, which I, I like, uh, especially because of the size. But I'm not sure Cam Whitmore is ever going to be able to, I shouldn't say never, but I view Cam Whitmore as more of Apollo, uh, just based off their just physical size and and Dominic, uh, dominant athleticism compared to, I think, Jalen Brown being able to have a little more shot creation. Yeah. If Cam Whitmore can knock that, like, to your point that you talked about earlier, if he can get that kind of three-point shooting that Jalen Brown has, I mean, I think that's huge. But um, the other one I have is another player we talked about, Casey Wallace, Drew Holiday comparison there. Mm. Uh, I know that's pretty high. Uh, Maybe Marcus that's more Smart. of a ceiling. Mar- Marcus Smart, I like that one too. I like that. It's, speaking of Celtics players. Yeah. I like it. I, I mean, if you need a guy that will get it done on both ends, there's Wimby aside, there's probably not a better player that's like as well-rounded as Case and Wallace in this class. That like the offense from what he's shown to this point is great. Uh, the defense is just phenomenal. Feels like a Memphis Grizzly kind of pick, you know, like a. <laughs> He feels like the kind of guy the the Houston Rockets should draft. Should I say should won't because the Houston Rockets, their philosophy seems to be like, let's just get as much scoring as we can. I don't care how it fits. Casey Wallace would like 
fix a lot of things on that team. And to be he clear, would, but where, also where Houston is, I would not touch Cason Wallace. There we go. But <laughs> he would be a great guy for their their issues right now. Good point. Very good point. All right, Nick. So we'll do this here again here in a couple of weeks. Just very quickly looking ahead just for some some upcoming matchups for those of you maybe this is your again i know the majority of you listening to this are thunder fans for those of you who maybe are, are wanting to get into the draft a little more uh, earlier on in the process and previously uh, in previous seasons or whatever the case may be nick and i want to just quickly go through some some big games coming up for the next couple of weeks before we or i think i really just have a week uh, before we do this again here in a couple of weeks Saturday, January 7th, I would just highlight that on your calendar. If you have the opportunity, any of the games you can tune into are going to be great. Bama, Kentucky, that's a huge one. We talked a lot about the Bama guys, talked a lot about Casey Wallace. Uh, obviously, there's well, who was the player Chris of Livingston. the year last year? Chris Livingston should be good for, for Kentucky. Kentucky at some point. Livingston uh, Oscar about a baller. Is, is a guy that is a great college player. I don't think I'd ever draft He'll be him, an NBA player. Good point. They got a lot of guys. Good point. Iowa State TCU. You're going to see a lot of Big 12 matchups on my list, Nick, because the Big 12 is an, a, a basketball gauntlet. Even if yep. these teams aren't necessarily ranked super high, I mean, it is a great, great uh, conference for basketball this year. Iowa State TCU. Miles had a ridiculous game against Baylor last night. That was wild to watch. Iowa State's a highly ranked team or a pretty highly ranked team with more veteran players. Not a ton necessarily of NBA prospects, but you'll see some of them in the NBA. This is one uh, not to rank teams, but definitely one you need to tune into is Xavier Villanova. Villanova, we talked a lot about Cam Whitmore. They will be ranked, I think, at some point. Xavier, uh, kind of similar to Iowa State. There are some NBA prospects on that team, but they're ranked. It's going to be a good matchup. Another Big 12, KU, West Virginia. Talked about Grady Dick. Uh, obviously, Wilson's still on KU. There's some, some good prospects there. Arkansas, Auburn. Uh, Auburn's kind of weird this year because they don't have Jabari Smith Jr. anymore, but they're, st- they're still, you know, ranked uh, in in the top, you know, twelve or so. And, and Arkansas, uh, if they can get Nick Smith Jr. back alongside Anthony Black, super fun team. Unfortunate news about Brazil, as you mentioned, Nick, and then Gonzaga, Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're getting a, you know, Gonzaga doesn't have a lot of competition in that Western Conference, but Santa Clara still has a really good team. Even pods, look up Pods if you don't know Santa Clara. Pods is like. J-Dub's replacement from a scoring standpoint. Okay, I like it. He's cool. I like it. Uh, A couple comments on yours, and I'll I'll move to mine. Don't sleep on Jordan Walsh at Arkansas. Don't sleep on um, Ricky Council at Arkansas. Ricky Council, I think, leads the SEC in scoring. Uh, Are they both freshmen? I can't remember. Is one a freshman, one a sophomore? Walsh, the the bald dude, the freshman. Uh, Ricky Council is a transfer from Wichita State, so he's been been playing for a bit. Um, My two... I'm going to start with Creighton UConn. Uh, UConn, one, one of the better teams in the country. Um, they got Andre Jackson. They got Jordan Hawkins, who are probably two of their best players. I, I'm not super high on Andre Jackson, but I think Jordan Hawkins has, is in the conversation for late first. Um, Creighton, Trey Alexander, and Oklahoma City native, Heritage Hall. Uh, Arthur Kaluma talked about him a little bit ago. Sophomore, reminds me of Pascal Siakam. Um, Baylor Shireman, senior guard, shoot the piss out of the ball. Um, Ryan Kalkbrenner, big time center that can make things happen. They got Ryan Nimhard, who is only six feet, but if you know anything about Nimhards, that family can can ball. Oh, is that uh, a is that his brother? It's a Nimhard. Yep, I one see of the Nimhards. Brother. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. So Creighton has got a lot of guys that can that can hoop. They may not get the biggest national attention because they're Creighton, which. I think it's a pretty cool historic basketball school, but for Agreed. a lot of fans that shout out, uh, Dougie buckets, Dougie, uh, Dougie Father. McDermott. Yep. <laughs> um, the other one that I'll mention, you mentioned an, an Arkansas or an Alabama, Kentucky game, um, an Alabama, Arkansas. I'm going to stick with big 12 TCU, Texas on Wednesday, Wednesday. Um, so you mentioned Creighton, Nick, uh, Wednesday, January 11th was the other day I had highlighted because you got Bama, Arkansas, have to tune in that one. Yes. Xavier Creighton, to your yep. point earlier, yep. we talked a little bit about Xavier uh, and TCU Texas yep. that you just mentioned. Mike Miles, he's he's a second round pick. He's definitely, tiny, but definitely he not a has first rounder. A he's, a, he's a huge heart. He's a bucket he ball. Yeah. He can ball. I think I think at this point, uh for Texas, I would still draft Dylan Mitchell first of anybody on that team. But Tyrese Hunter, another another short king, dude can yeah. ball. 
Dude can flat out ball. So he'll, that's be, dra- where some he'll, of these, he'll uh, be drafted. Though, there's some good risers to keep an eye on. Yeah. And we might be talking about some of those guys as we continue to do this throughout the season, Nick. I'm laughing because we both gone on. We're like, okay, we probably should keep this like, you know, 20, 30 minutes, like a post game pod. And I was like, okay, well, maybe like 40. Here we are in an hour because Nick and yep. I can talk about this shit Shocker. forever. Super fun, uh, super fun draft class. And just, again, really fun to dive into. So we really hope that all of you listeners really enjoyed this. If, be sure to send us some feedback. We can switch things up as we're kind of going through over the next couple of weeks and uh, next couple of months and and, and adjusting these and, and diving into more details. We get closer and closer to the draft, but we're getting more and more interested in the draft. And we hope that our listeners are as well and that this is hopefully a good way to get some of your balls feet wet and, and kind of get some interest in some of these prospects that hopefully we're playing for the Thunder next season. Yeah, if, so if, there's, always, if there's guys, if there's guys you want to hear about, let us know. We'll break yes. them down. If there's guys that, or if there's just more general questions, like if the Thunder get this pick, who would you take with it, or like what position do you think would fit best, or does this guy fit the Thunder mold? Let us know what you want to hear about. We'll we'll talk about it. Agree completely, and we'll continue to obviously uh, focus maybe more specifically on ranges as the season goes further and further along. We see where the Thunder end up in the in the reverse standings to next point, but again. A lot to be looking forward to, even outside necessarily the Thunder season, a really fun season this year. So we'll have you all covered. I believe the Thunder played tomorrow night, and I cannot remember who they're playing now. Washington Wizards. Yeah, thank you. Wizards, 7 p.m., back in OKC. We will have you all covered for that post game. have you all covered with a group pod on Sunday. And Nick and I will be back doing our part two of the uh, 2023 NBA draft breakdown here in a couple of weeks. So thank you all for tuning in. And as always, Thunder up. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.